As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbacast, the only baseball podcast in the world with the self-awareness to know that this is the time of year that baseball matters the absolute least. I'm <laughs> oh, Jake Mitz. I'm Jake Mitz. That's Jordan Schusterman. And every other sport is just really kicking butt right now. And, and we're still doing a baseball show. Jake, I'm so glad that is where uh, you begin because it is true. That is exactly how I was going to welcome us in today. Because, yeah, why? why let's not pretend like baseball is, is top of mind right now. Yes, later tonight we're going to get the official WBC rosters, which is very exciting, and that'll spark some, some excitement around baseball. But this period is just not for us. It is not for us. But baseball podcasts are our job. And we hope that we have delivered a podcast here with you today with a couple special guests, which we'll tell you about in a little bit, that you will still enjoy because we do know there are baseball fans out there that would like baseball podcasts to listen to. So we're going to hopefully deliver that. And we are those fans, to be clear. You know, despite (laughs) all this stuff happening in the National Basketball League and the Mm -hmm. American Football Association, Mm -hmm. our brains are squarely focused on the sport of hardball. However, today's show, before we get to our guests, is going to be a bit of a crossover episode, as you would. Because two nights ago, LeBron James, the greatest athlete in our lifetimes, not named Serena Williams, broke the all-time scoring record in the National Basketball Association. And when this happened, Jordan and I were just thinking about the overlap, the Venn diagram, if you would, between LeBron James and the sport of baseball. And so what we're going to do on this show right here, right now, is talk about that association of the best player in the association between LeBron James and baseball. Yes. Uh, Can I have 30 seconds of earnest LeBron appreciation before we do our uh, big taste analysis? Uh, Can we we do a little bit of of just very basic, straightforward, LeBron is the fucking coolest person of all time? Uh, Because I got to say, I know we've had, we've had, you know, in the past few years, with Pujols retiring, with Brady retiring, obviously we don't do not care about Brady, but we care about Pujols in, in a certain way. But LeBron is the athlete that more, even as I've become fully engulfed in baseball, he is the one that I am just the most in awe of, truly, of any of them. And I, on so many ways, and for listen, I'm not making breaking news here, but like I just cannot, I am just continually just in shock of how incredible he is. Like it's it's not that complicated. Uh, and duh, right? No, I'm not breaking any news. Um, but I have been a LeBron fan for a long time, and uh, watching the other night was extremely cool. And I cannot believe that he is still just putting up 30 points a game because it's it's like uh, 20 years of that. And I know the only comparison we have to that in baseball is really Verlander, because like Pujols does not look anything like what he had been doing, right? Like, sure, he had this great final season, but he was not one of the best players in the league. <laughs> and so for someone to just be the best for this long or whatever, one of the top three players in the league for this long, I cannot believe it. And I love it, and I'm very grateful grateful to have been watching him for my entire cognizant in life. Well, in my mind, I think about Harper, right? Mm-hmm. Just because Harper gets compared to LeBron yeah. comes a couple years after him. And we have been very vocal about the fact that Bryce Harper has been everything he was supposed to be <laughs> when he was, when he was kind of 
yeah. put on the cover of, of Sports Illustrated and, and introduced to the world. I would say that Bryce Harper has been like 88% of the hype, right? He has yes. lived up to like 88% of the hype. Yeah. There are some aspects of it where he hasn't, where he's a probably like a bad defender and, you know, he gets hurt and he had a couple down years and whatever. LeBron was 100% of the hype. He was 150% of the hype. That's the thing. I was going to bring up Bryce Harper too because right, we had so much of that discourse in October and, and justifiably so because the hype is so insane and so ridiculous. And of course, it's harder to do it in baseball in some senses and, and we have to recognize those adjustments. But right, I totally think about it in the Bryce Harper terms because for all the praise we heap on him, it's that times a million and with way more pressure, way more scrutiny and way more people caring and getting like every all the hate that Bryce Harper gets, you know, multiply times 5,000. Right. Like it's like, it's not even close. Like um, nobody in, you know, uh, Estonia knows who Bryce Harper is, <laughs> right? But everyone there either loves or hates LeBron. Yes. And like Harper was hailed as maybe going to be one of the greatest of all time. And he is not, or has not been that. He has been one of the best players of his generation, mm-hmm. right? But not the greatest of all time. If we were, if we're listing, you know, the top twenty, Harper's probably like fifty to hundred, maybe. Yeah, right? the only one that we've gotten, we've had in this generation is is obviously Trout. Right? I mean, we had Pujols, and he's in, but but of, of that generation, Trout Trout is that, but he didn't come with that hype. He just arrived and just was that, right? right. Whereas <laughs> LeBron is, you know, one or two, right? <laughs> yeah, that's he's it. one or two. So. I just anyway, so say okay, all that all that out of the way. Not make breaking news there. Let's talk about LeBron and baseball because there's a few different ways we can do this because LeBron has been in our he has been a public figure, a professional athlete, a famous American in our life for again, basically two decades. And yet the overlap between him and our favorite sport, it's been bits and pieces here and there. And so where where would you like to begin? with the LeBron James baseball conversation. I would like to start about, I want to start with the conversation of him playing baseball mm-hmm. less than in interacting with major league baseball. Mm-hmm. So right, Le- LeBron in high school, everyone knows that he played football and he probably could have been a tight end anywhere in division one football, but it doesn't appear that LeBron James really ever played baseball competitively as a middle schooler and high schooler. Now, a lot of that has to do with the fact that he was that tall. People that tall very rarely choose baseball. They usually choose basketball, right? Yeah. And so there's a conversation that has been had a million times at a million podcasts about what if LeBron had, you know, been born in Santo Domingo and picked baseball at age nine and had matriculated up through farm system, right? Mm -hmm. And I think people are like, oh man, he could have been in this incredible center fielder or whatever. And I think he would have sucked, I have to say. I <laughs> well, think LeBron would have been bad at baseball. Mm-hmm. And that is a take that I believe. Well, and, and this is sort of relevant as we move to our, our big taste uh, segment here. But um, I, I I do like just this concept, this kind of meta concept of, of, right, LeBron playing other sports. Everyone has always said, oh, my God, imagine him doing this. Imagine him playing handball. Imagine him playing water polo. Imagine him playing. Like this is uh, so many different things. And generally with most other sports, you can see it translate. And this is maybe one of the the beautiful things about baseball is it's like you put some of the best athletes in the world in a batting cage or on a mound and they don't look so athletic. Now, <laughs> if LeBron had picked baseball at age seven, 
right? Yeah, oh, he like would have been in an academy. He would have figured it out as a pitcher. Of yeah, that's, as a that's pitcher. What I was say. That's what's key. Mm -hmm. If you say to me, Jake, you can have any six eight human being with insanely long arms as a MLB hitter, I will be like, that guy's gonna suck because it is incredibly difficult to be a good MLB hitter when your arms are that long. And in basketball, you want wingspan, right? Those photos of Kevin Durant, like with his arms out wide, that's bad in baseball, right? <laughs> you want as short arms as possible so that you can get to pitches on the inner if half. You're now, if you're hitting. So my point is that we always dream about LeBron as a center fielder. And I think mm -hmm. that misses the point where you get him on a mound at age 11 and like he's he's an incredible, incredible pitcher. Totally agree. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? He, he would have figured it out if you, if you put him on, on diamond at a younger age. And if you look at the, the athletes like LeBron that have played baseball, mm -hmm. Pat Connaughton, Amir Garrett, these basketball, like the wingman body, they're pitchers, right? They aren't hitters. Yeah, yeah. And, and now, of course, we have some amazing athletes that, that play in the outfield. Now, besides Judge, you know, who is – a judge athletically is is certainly closer to that. I mean, you could say John Carlos Stanton is that. John Carlos Stanton was also you know a, a pass catching tight end uh, when he was he played football. So there's sort of some similarities there. But the grace and fluidity that LeBron has is obviously far beyond anything that we really have in baseball at that size. And like in basketball, so much of it is getting as like big as you can all the time, whether you're on defense or whether you're in the paint or whether you're, you know, jumping up to shoot a three, like you're always trying to extend and get big and get large. And when you're hitting, it's the opposite. It's all about staying compact, right? But when you're pitching, it's all about getting big and extending again. Exactly. Large. When so, you mentioned the big arms, I think about like a Tyler Glass now and, and the extension and whatnot and how you get down the mound. And with the right training, surely I agree LeBron could be a pitcher. Now, however, you say uh, well, what would it look like? What would it look like with LeBron in the mound? Well, uh, about five years ago, we were graced with one of the goofier and more entertaining uh, baseball adjacent commercials that we've ever seen starring one LeBron James. This was a, a Sprite commercial. And this was something that we analyzed uh, quite intensely. It's quite possible some of you listening have never seen this before, but if you you know, Google uh, the Big Taste Sprite commercial. Basically, the premise is that uh, they, there's a baseball game and they're trying to bring in a relief pitcher to strike out thirst. Okay, right? And who are they bringing in? Big Taste. And it's LeBron James coming in, chucking an ice cold Sprite at his catcher who's holding a, a, glass, of, a glass of ice behind the home, home plate. And this 60-second uh, spot, just gives us so many things to think about <laughs> with regards to LeBron and baseball. But what's your favorite thing about this commercial? Because I have one thing very specifically kind of related to what we've already been talking about. I love that LeBron's glove is frozen mm -hmm. uh, to accentuate the cold, crisp temperature of the Sprite. Mm -hmm. I love how large his glove is. It's clear that it's a softball glove that they got at Target or something. Mm -hmm. I love the custom gear. It looks like a Louisville Cardinals jer uh, baseball jersey, but with the Sprite colors. Mm -hmm. I love how bad his pitching motion looks, how stiff it is. Thank you. That's really what, what, what stood out to me because, again, we think about, oh, well, obviously anything he would do athletically would translate. This does appear to be him. I mean, it's certainly him in the commercial, but the specific shot of the pitching motion does appear to be him except sped up a little bit. I don't think it's like a body double. And it, it, it <laughs> that's the thing. My, my, my first take is, wow, he's not, he's not getting down the mound at all. 
he is about as upright as you could possibly be. And if you're LeBron and you had a LeBron athlete, we would have to find a way to kind of up that extension because that this delivery is just not going to work. Yeah, this is more of like a Chris Young sinker heavy, you know, get down with an insane amount of downhill angle than it is like rising fastball kind of Mm -hmm. Spencer Strider pitcher. Mm -hmm. But there's just I would imagine that LeBron did not show up to this commercial shoot having stretched or anticipating he would have to do athletic activity. And so this kind of half-assed toss is maybe not his best effort. And I would also point you to a video from 2003 uh, when LeBron threw out the first pitch at a Cleveland baseball game Mm -hmm. uh, when he was first drafted. And I love this because the MLB video now on YouTube says future NBA champion LeBron James throws the first pitch out, right? It's like he will one day do this, but it's it's a I mean, really great true. shot. He's super young. Uh, this might be even before he ever played a game and he's throwing the first pitch out to CeCe Sabathia. Yeah, it might have been the first. It was might have been this the summer before, probably the summer yeah. after. He, yeah, it was this was June 2003. So it's before he's ever even played an NBA game. Correct. And it is in totally low effort toss. Just kind of loops it into Sabathia, nice and accurate, but no high effort. And my point here is that we have never seen this guy throw a ball full juice, full gas. And we might never do that. Um, And that's important. Now, I think, Jordan, the last thing to talk about with LeBron and baseball, which we've been talking about somehow for 13 minutes, uh, is LeBron in 2016 at the World Series. And I know this is of particular interest to you. Yeah, because when we talk about most iconic moments in baseball in the last 20 years, um, one of them is indisputably the Rasha Davis home run, uh, game-tying home run against the Chicago Cubs in Game 7 of the World Series. And LeBron James was there. Now, this was a few months after they had won the championship in Cleveland in 2016. And it's also important to remember, I think, that there was like a bet. LeBron had a bet with Dwayne Wade. Mm. Dwayne Wade, Mm -hmm. who's from Chicago. And they had like some, you know, outrageous amount of money on the World Series because (laughs) they are LeBron and Dwayne Wade. And so I think LeBron was like particularly invested in this. uh, Yes. In this moment. On top of, you know, he has a lot of Cleveland pride. This is when he was still playing there. um, And he was there and he's at this game and Kevin Love's there and J.R. Smith's there and all all of those cats from those teams. And. What I had forgotten, I, I had see, I remember seeing this 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 clip, and you 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 know listening maybe think oh I've seen this before, LeBron like losing his mind in the kind of suite or the box of him going crazy with a Cleveland or nowhere shirt. But what I had forgotten was that was that was because of the Rajay Davis home run. I had you know remembered that as just like him being at a Cleveland playoff game, like hyping up the crowd. But no, that is him reacting to one of the craziest moments in baseball history. And I love that we have that because you know that is like you said, you know, one of the greatest athletes of all time and, and of our generation, of, of course. And there is him reacting like all of us to a baseball thing, to one of the baseball things that I will remember for the rest of my life. And one that was, of course, he was certainly personally invested in. Um, now, I know that whole thing also brought up all the things that people like to make fun of LeBron for, which is, who who are you a fan of anyway? A Yankees fan. He's a, Now he's an owner of the Red Sox. That's another thing we have to mention is that he bought a minority stake in the Red Sox through Fenway Sports Group uh, in the last few years. 
Oh, and he's been a fan of, of this team. Of course, he's like was all in on the Dodgers in 2020 during the bu- during the uh, the 2020 postseason. He was tweeting all about the Dodgers and Mookie and all those things, and all that makes sense. I don't care. The point is, is that I don't care what, who he's actually a fan of. I just love when we have this overlap, and and that moment in particular stands out to me. It's 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 an all time reaction and and a appropriate one from someone who is very famous and very cool. So congratulations to LeBron James. I am excited for. I think we will we will have a minor league prospect soon named LeBron. Like people are going to start people named LeBron are going to start percolating up into society. Totally. totally. And that'll be a moment where we can, you know, we can really cherish that. That's a great point. Uh, now we uh, we're going to get to another uh, icon of Cleveland sports uh, for with our special guest a little bit later. But uh, before that, we do have one more b- baseball basketball crossover we did want to do, uh, which is that we got some news uh, earlier this week that Albert Pujols will be participating in the NBA Celebrity Game coming up in a couple weeks. Now this is just uh, this is a whole other level of thing because right we have we have LeBron. Oh, imagine LeBron playing baseball. I don't think anyone at any point has ever said, oh, imagine Albert Pujols playing basketball, but we're going to have that opportunity. I Is this punishment? Did he do something <laughs> wrong? Like if you watched Albert Pujols during his final year with the Cardinals. And, final and you five thought, years, dude. Final five years. And, and you thought to yourself, wow, I want to see this guy do other types of athletic activities. You are a masochist, and that is frankly rude. Is this punishment for him, you know, doing something wrong? It's it's completely mind-blowing to me. And it's even weirder because this All-Star game is not in St. Louis, duh. It's not in L.A., duh. It's in Salt Lake City, and I have no idea how – is this something he maybe always wanted to do? That's but- my think. That's my thinking, is that obviously uh, player contracts are going to restrict players from playing in this – during the season or right before the season, which is when the All-Star game normally is. Um, Alex Bregman apparently is going to be an assistant coach for one of the celebrity teams. No idea his involvement. That's weird. And he Bregman has a quote saying, like, I always want to play in this, but he, you know, Astros aren't going to let him do that. So I think it's I think it's that. I think Alvin Rules has always wanted to play in this game, which is just so funny to me. Um, and I and I can't wait to see what it looks like. I my understanding is he, he has done some uh kind of like charity adjacent hoop stuff um it, over the course of his career. But yeah, I just I'm I'm very excited to see. I would not want to have to box out uh, Pujols. If anything, I could imagine he could be a good offensive rebounder. But as far as like pushing the pace, the good thing about the celebrity game is it's not it's not too much you know fast pace action. Um, over under five and a half points for Albert Pujols in the celebrity game. I would say under. Okay. I would say under just because there's so many like he is. Not a good athlete compared to the people in this game. <laughs> Calvin Johnson is in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe DK Metcalf, the NFL player mm-hmm. who's like one of the best athletes in the world, mm-hmm. is in this game. I just don't think he's going to get enough love. Uh, Francis uh, Tiafo is in this game. That's like, a cool one. He's not. I'm no way. Okay, I'm, so I'm, you're I'm taking. No I'll take the over. I think. I think Bert's going to you know back him down, back Tiafo down, and kind of. Kind of show him some post moves. He is a big boy. Like he's a big, <laughs> just, big yeah, dude. That, that would be his advantage, right? If we're going, I wouldn't want to want to push him in transition. But I think if you kind of set a play for him, he probably has got some moves. I hope that he has spent the last couple months since the Cardinal season ended just resting his feet because <laughs> I, I am just shocked. He's like, give me more sports. Like, yes, just I want so to dumb. run up and down 
the court. Uh, instead, right, that's the other thing, right? In baseball, generally, he's just had to, to one one base at a time, or he can take his home run shots. I don't know. That's the thing. I just don't know what he can, what can he, how many minutes he's going to be able to stand. But I'll still take the over on five and a half points. Maybe we could find a way to bet on that. All right, Jake, let us talk about our guests now. Let's introduce our first guest. Um, again, we know there's no news going on, so we wanted to, to, to find fun, uh, find some fun conversations that we could have here on this podcast. And we are very excited to be joined on this episode of Baseball Barbercast by one Stephen Kwan. Uh, and Jake, this is—I mean, this is a fun conversation that, that you guys are about to hear. But, but any anything else we need to do to introduce uh, another Cleveland icon? I mean, Stephen Kwan was one of the top fifteen main characters of the twenty twenty two baseball season. Yeah. Like this guy was a big effing deal. <laughs> he ended up finishing third in Rookie of the Year voting behind Adley Rushman and Julio Rodriguez. He ended up posting a five war season, five and a half war season from BRF which is just an incredible accomplishment considering he hit six home runs. He is one of the most unique baseball players we have in the game today. His contact ability is something out of 1982. And to really put it all on top, he is a huge nerd. He is one of the least baseball-y bro baseball players we have. Very interesting, smart guy who loves chess and like just very different. And I hope you folks enjoy our conversation with Stephen Kwan. Stephen Kwan, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate y'all. Uh, nice season, huh? You see this, Jordan? You see Stephen Kwan out there? That's a lot of hits. That's a lot of hits. That's Do you a have, lot of hits. We could start in a million different places, Stephen. Do you have a favorite hit that you had from the season that was? Is there one that stands out? Like, that was a good hit. I really um, did that one well. Well, I guess I have two ends of the spectrums. I think obviously the I had a, the Grand Slam in Texas was like a really cool one. Um, battled it. It was a really big moment uh, for the team, clinched the season. But when you said favorite, the one that jumped out to me was I'm sure nobody remembers this, but we were playing in San Diego. Um, guy comes in like a mostly changeup guy. I can't even remember his name off the top of my head, but. It was like 70-something percent change-ups, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to sit on the change-up. I'm going to just be ready for one, and then he throws the pitch, and I go, it's a fastball. And then, of course, it's a change-up, so I try to, like, stop my swing, and it's just, like, a perfect check swing double over third baseman's head. Mm. And I just remember standing on second base, like, you can do everything wrong and get rewarded. Like, what a um, dumb game that we play. That is honestly – we have a lot – that you've already kind of hinted at the way you think about hitting and the way that you're preparing for hitting. And we're going to get into all that. But before we get into the mind of, of Stephen Kwan, the, the hitter, um, let's let's keep it a little bit more big picture. You just played a season of Major League Baseball uh, for the first time. And I'm sure, you know, at some point along the way of your college career, you're like, all right, maybe, maybe I'll be a, a pro player and maybe I'll be a big leaguer. But you just did it. Now that you've had some time to reflect, what surprised you the most about being a major leaguer, both on and off the field? Yeah, I think on the field, what surprised me was like everybody obviously talks about 162 games and how that's a grind uh, physically. But I think mentally it was also super taxing uh, showing up to the ball field, you know, being expected to play bright lights. You know, there's some big, important person throwing first pitch and, you know, everybody's cheering their their heads off like just that every day was I was just really unexpected with that. It's really exhausting. Um, you want to show up, suit up and kind of be ready to play every day. But um you know, if you don't take care of yourself, like things can kind of deteriorate really quickly. So it was really important to me to kind of just stay even keel, stay energized and stay locked in throughout the whole year. Um, how did you keep your peace? Like, how did you how did you maintain that during the season? 
Yeah, I think it was it was tough in the beginning of the year, especially kind of with like how everything breaks out. Everybody's texting you, everybody's, you know, congratulating you. And it's people from, I mean, just the far neck of the woods, you know, branching that you don't remember, like someone from my sixth grade, uh, you know, elementary school that, you know, I changed elementary schools from then. Uh, cousins I didn't even know I had. Like it was it was kind of leaving space for me and not trying to reply to everybody because I actually remember talking to Shane Bieber about it. But he was kind of like, yeah, you need to. You want to be the nice guy. You don't want to ever big league anybody. But at the end of the day, like you need to be there for yourself and you need to create some space, create time in the mornings for yourself. So that was kind of a big thing kind of later in the year. I usually always try like to have a routine, but in later in the year, especially I made sure like that was my time. I'm not going to let anybody ruin my peace, do a little journaling, reading, writing, um, play some chess, you know, play some video games, just whatever, like have some me time. But in the beginning of the year, it was definitely overwhelming. So having some of the older guys to lean on. To just basically tell you, like, you shouldn't feel bad for, like, wanting to spend time doing what you want to do. I think that was the biggest thing. Yeah. Totally. And But to your point, like, you kind of had two waves of it because I'm sure there was the first wave of, oh, my God, like, he's going to be a big leaguer right out of camp, right? You, you, you make the team. It's like, damn, like, Stephen Kwan's in the big leagues. That's cool. And then you have, like, this, you know, historic start that, that brings in a whole other wave of you know former sixth grade classmates that you that, forgot about partially my bad because that was when i called i wrote the story <laughs> and i talked to steven on the phone yeah and i remember like asking you about what you were surprised by by the big leagues and you were like everyone has different meals like i have a dinner <laughs> and the trainer's got a different dinner yeah, right? yeah and i was like okay wow this guy really is in week one like he he really is just getting yeah. started you know yeah so that's true. You had like a second wave of it too, both of attention and kind of adjusting to it more because if you had just had a normal, like going one for four, like, you know, got your first big league hit, but instead you just kept getting hits and everyone is now talking about you. So was that like another level of adjustment that you had to make in those first couple of weeks? Cause that is not a normal start to a right. career, both statistically and in terms of the attention you got. Like you were on sports center and MLB network, like not just MLB <laughs> network, right? It was yeah. like a different thing. Yeah, I think luckily that first week was still pretty fresh and it was still kind of just like, oh my gosh, like I'm a big leaguer. I can't believe I'm doing this. So like seeing all these new people reaching out was like really cool because like in the moment it was really cool. I haven't heard from them in a while. Like, yeah, how are you doing? How like, you know, how is everything? Like that was really cool. And then it was kind of when like it's like the second month and then they're texting you for like the fourth time and you're trying to give that same energy. But it's like, dude, I went like one for five with like an infant <laughs> single. Like I don't really want to talk about my game today. Like. They're obviously super excited and want to talk about everything about it, but it's like, I've done this now for like two months. Like I'm exhausted. So I think definitely that first month, first week was really cool, but that's when I started realizing like, okay, like this isn't kind of a sustained energy that I can keep giving off and then, you know, not leave time for myself. So you did end up doing enough to keep it together to finish third in the rookie of the year voting. I'm curious about the experience of seeing the results of that. With Julio Rodriguez and your former college teammate, Adley Rushman, being there as well, did you think that you could win? Or did you kind of look around and have a sense that, oh, this will be like a nice moment for me and this will be cool, but I'm, you know, Adley Rushman and Julio Rodriguez just put up two of the craziest seasons we've ever seen? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was obviously just honored to be put in the same sentence as them. But, right. I mean, first talking about Adley, like I've seen him do it, obviously, in college first. Like the guy was the best ball player on the field at all times handled himself in a different way and even just catching like he transforms the game. So I knew once he came up, he was going to really change things. But can I ask you about Adley actually? Because yeah, you were a year ahead of him, right? Yeah. So he shows up as a freshman and he's playing football, mm -hmm. right? 
And so the vibe must have been like, who's this guy on the football team think he is? Mm -hmm. Like, what was your first impression of Adley Rushman in college? Well, so I got lucky. So I played with him in summer ball. Um, okay. He played with the Knights going into his freshman year, and I played that freshman into sophomore year. But it, it was interesting because I obviously heard a bunch about him. He was highly recruited, but he can't. I mean, he showed up for maybe like three series. Um, great guy. I knew another one of my best friends on the team, Zach Taylor, at the time, and he kind of like grandfathered him into our group. But um, just a stand-up guy, really cool, nothing crazy. But uh, I think the one like – the one that jumped out to me was when I like to tell the story, but of how he t um, tackled McCaffrey, but I'm sure everybody talks about that. But I just remember him explaining, he was like, yeah, like, you know, I tackle McCaffrey and then McCaffrey's like under him. And he like looks at Adley, he goes, are you the kicker? And then Adley's just like, yeah. And he's just like, fuck me. And then he just like runs off. I'm like, this dude's out here really just tackling McCaffrey, like no big deal. And he's just telling the story like super matter of factly. So I'm like, this guy just does this on like the normal day. He, uh, I think he has like the 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 longest field goal in like Oregon history, mm -hmm. high school history. Like, and again, he's just so humble about it. So I was just like, well, this guy's just a normal dude. Like, it's really not super overwhelming. You don't have to handle yourself any different with him. But I mean, yeah. Once it starts adding up, then you realize like this guy's <laughs> this guy's nuts. Well, it's funny because right, McCaffrey's like you, the kicker. It's like. Yeah, also, I'm, I am soon going to have one of the best seasons in college baseball history, really? but that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> so yeah, I'm also literally. that guy. Yeah. No, I mean, so, nuts. Yeah, and, and nuts. I, I imagine there was a good amount of, a uh, decent amount of communication this year. I guess I'm sure you played against each other a few times um, this past season, but like for it to happen almost this quickly, kind of for both of you, you know, you, you had some time in the minor leagues, but to then be two, you know, Beavers top three rookie of the year, I yeah. imagine that was something that during the season you, you realized, like, this is pretty freaking cool. Yeah, no, it was definitely really cool. I actually got to play Adley, I think it was like 10 days after he got called up. Mm -hmm. uh, we were in Baltimore, and we, we went to go get breakfast. He had some spot he recommended. And uh, it was just chopping it up like normal, which was really cool. Obviously, nothing changed with us. Um, you know, obviously, don't know how everything would change people. But I just remember the one thing that sticks out to me was we were in the locker room, and Baltimore media comes up to me. And I think Adley, I mean, like I said, it was 10 games in. Adley's hitting maybe like 120 or whatever. And right. then these reporters are going like, he's like, hey, Steven, you know, I know you played with Adley. Like, what do you take on Adley's like slump? Like, do you not think he's going to be able to make it in the big leagues? Like, how do you think he he's going to like be able to change it, if at all? I'm like, well, yo, he's been on the bigs for like a week and a half. Like, there's no way you're calling this a slump right now. Like, he'll be fine. <laughs> he goes, oh, well, like, he probably slumped in Oregon State. Like, how did he get out of those slumps? And I was like, first of all, he's not in a slump. You know, like, this is just variability. Like, he's going to be fine. He's, like, one of the best catchers I've played with. So he'll be able to manage the staff. From a hitting standpoint, he's going to figure hitters – or he's going to figure the pitchers out, understand tendencies. Like, he'll be fine. And, like, it was just wild to me that these, this media was basically trying to, like, paint this narrative of, like, you know, is he a bust? Is he not as big as everybody said he was? I'm like, yo, give us some time. And then, obviously – he ends up doing how he does. So it was. Oh yeah. The, the was, funniest part about that is that being like, what was it like when he slumped at Oregon State? And you're like, well, he, he did. didn't. Like he yeah, didn't slump at Oregon State. Like it didn't ever. happen. Also, yeah. they were going to you. They're like, um, well, Stephen, you hit 700 in the first week. So how hard could it be? I mean, what's yeah. what's Adley's having an issue? Right. Uh, why isn't yeah. he hitting 700? <laughs> yeah. No. And it was unbelievable. So I mean, I don't. I'm not jealous of that kind of pressure that he has, but he obviously mm -hmm. handled it yeah. great. Right. So I, I want to kind of pivot back to um, you kind of talking earlier about your favorite hit and, and a very goofy way that you can, you know, get a hit in Major League Baseball. And getting hits, quite simply, is that's your thing. You know, putting the bat in the ball, that is what you've been known for, you know, since your days in college. 
And what I'm so fascinated by is, is the how you kind of develop the skill set. At some point along the way in your development, you realize I'm pretty good at putting the bat on the ball. Like I can make contact. So not everybody has that because of the way they swing and the way they see the ball and all these things. So eventually you figure that out. But I think the, the needle that you thread and is so impressive and is, is hard to kind of fathom is once you know you can sort of make contact with so many different pitches, how do you decide what to swing at? Because you're also, you know, one of the best in the league at not chasing pitches. So how did you kind of figure that out to figure out, okay, sure, I can hit all these different pitches in every part of the zone, but these are the ones I actually should be going after. And was there a point when that actually clicked for you, whether it was in college, whether it was in pro ball? Yeah, I think that's kind of the biggest thing that I, I'll be dealing with for like the rest of my career because yeah, it's like you said, there's I don't swing and miss very often, so I can't kind of hit a swing at a pitch that I kind of want to hit. Like if I'm gonna swing, it's got to be a pitch that I want. So it's definitely kind of like early in the count, I'm looking for a certain pitch, but then you obviously don't get that certain pitch every time. So now you're at two strikes, and now you're just battling for your life. So it's kind of finding that that certain little medium. And then I think as I learn the pitchers, you kind of understand what you're gonna get. But I know exactly to your point like in that second month i was trying to just get that perfect pitch and that never came and now it's oh two and you've seen like two fastballs in the outside corner that like sure i could probably slap for a single but i'm trying to do some damage so it's it's so i guess to answer that question i don't really know it's just yeah. maybe for the moment kind of stuff but sure it's it's definitely something that i'll be probably working on for the rest of my career so you talk about working on it for the rest of your career and i'm curious for you what improvement looks like because you know i i'm not telling you you need to get any better like you could just do what you did last year for 20 years or 10 years and like <laughs> It'll be a good whatever shot, right? like whatever that's fine but for you as, as a professional athlete like you're trying to get better every day and so for you as a hitter is improvement getting better at hitting for average or is it getting better at trying to drive the baseball a little bit more than you have are you trying to hit 380 with six homers are you trying to hit you know 290 with 15 yeah definitely probably in a perfect world like 290 with 15 would be great um yeah obviously slug is is going to be always the sexy thing in baseball and in my 2021 season i definitely hit for a little more pop so it's basically it's definitely taking my chances but like calculated chances like i remember early in the year i would swing it kind of like a first pitch get out. And then, you know, I got my hitting coach saying like, Hey, like, I like what you're trying to do there, but like, you know, we're down two in the seventh and like, you know, we want Jose to kind of see some pitches so he can kind of maybe do some damage later. It's, it's understanding those situations and when to take a chance. Um, I know later in the season, like I hit a homer off first pitch off Lance Lynn. And I feel like I was only able to do that because I was like one for 12 off him and he just kept sneaking fastballs by me. So I think it's understanding the pitchers, like I said, a little better and then knowing when to take those chances and then also just feeling confident. Like, okay, I've seen the Lance Lynn fastball now. Um, I don't want to go 0-1 anymore because it's always 0-1 against him. Um, mm-hmm. You know, take a chance here. We're up two in the fifth. You know, if I get out, I get out. But if not, you know, there's high upside. So it's just being right. more confident, not selling myself too short, I think, is, yeah. is where I'm. Well, and, and my last question about, you know, your specific approach and whatever is, you you know there's not that many hitters like you in baseball right now, right? Like your style of hitting and that approach and the OBP over slug, like high contact, there's just not that many of them that are succeeding. And so for most hitters in the league, whether at any level as they're developing, they can look and say, 
I want to watch Trout. I want to be like Bryce Harper because most guys are trying to, you know, hit the shit out of the ball, hit it over the fence and do these things and spray it all over, right? Now, you just simply don't have that many other hitters that that look like you in the style that you do. So was there someone growing up that you watch and you thought like that is the kind of guy that I want to hit like? Are there other guys in the league? I can think of literally one. Um, maybe, maybe you can too. But like, how did you kind of, who, who were you modeling after when there's just not that many hitters like you uh, nowadays? Yeah, uh, I think no doubt. I grew up watching Ichiro. Like, obviously, mm-hmm. all of the hits that he had. I think I think his, like, is either his first hit or his, like, 260th hit. It was, like, some, like, ass-out single up the middle that just, like, barely got through. Yep. Like, that thing's burning into my head. And I'm like, I mean, he's... <laughs> Let me just keep doing that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like thousand more times. <laughs> exactly. Like, that's that's what can get the job done. Like, you don't yeah. have to hit the, the piss out of the ball. Like, obviously, you want to, but still working a good count, using your legs, and just putting the ball in play, good things will happen. I think that was that was motivational for me, at least, because obviously, I never grew up being the biggest guy, so I wasn't going to hit those home runs. So seeing some guy do that at a high level was inspiring, but hopefully we're thinking about the same hitter with us. Yeah, I was going to say, like, in in the league today, the one guy, obviously, is Luis Arise. Yeah, unbelievable. He's my favorite player. Okay, (laughs) okay. So it's game, respect, game, right? Absolutely. No, and and what he does, I also feel like people don't give him enough credit on, like, he he has a high average, but he's barreling almost every single ball. Like, he hits them hard. Um, I think maybe he had, like, some injury where he wasn't able to kind of use his legs as much, but, I mean, if he had healthy legs, I mean, he's he's putting up way better slug numbers as well. Like that guy's an actual hitter. Yeah. And that's another one. And, and that that's something that in the first couple years of his career, his line looked a lot like yours. And then this past year, he really started to add, you know, more loft and just more, you know, pull side power and whatever. Um, and right, that's possible. You can kind of develop that. But it's so funny you say he's your favorite player because, right, again, for him, it's like, who else are you talking about? There's no one else. There's so many other guys, the average guys, like there's a bunch to pick from. And so for you, you recognize, oh, yeah, that's what I'm doing. And being in division, I know he just got traded. You got to see it up close. So like when you're watching him, what is it? You understand it better than anybody else. So what are the things that he's doing that are so special that you're like, I want to be like that? Because you're the only one coming close to it. And so you're doing it, but no one else is trying to be like him except for you. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, what are you yeah. seeing when you're seeing him up close? I mean, he kind of does the same thing. Like I'm sure you guys have seen him. Like he'll go up to the plate. He'll auto take that first one because mm-hmm. it's not the right time in the game. He's leading off the game. He doesn't want to, he could probably touch the ball, but he wants to make sure he gets into a good count, kind of see the pitches, see the shape of everything. So off the bat i already respect that like he's trying to work a count he's not just trying to obliterate a ball if he needs to um he's always just trying to hit a like a line drive over shortstop like i kind of see that little pre-swing where he's just trying to like stay on top of it like stay on it just shoot it that way and obviously with his best swing he's gonna hit that line drive to left center but off speed if you catch it out in front he's gonna blister that ball so sure i i commend him on sticking with his plan really no matter who the pitcher is like he has an obvious plan and he's basically telling pitcher like you can't change my plan. I'm going to beat you with this plan. And if you don't, you'll just walk me also. Like he does it all. So I think just being, he's super stubborn is, is what I'm trying to say. And that's what I want to try in a good, to do. In a good way. Yeah. Did you uh-huh. introduce yourself to him? Like, did you guys have like a you guys ever like, like, I'm the guy, I'm the other <laughs> yeah. guy who's like you. Do you guys have any kind of relationship? Yeah, I think, I don't know how it started, but like it's, I slide into second base and he's always kind of giving me a hug, give me a dap up, you know, pat on the butt. And we just keep talking. I, there was this one random conversation where he was talking. He's like, you know, maybe in the future we'll play together. I'm like, bro, 
tra- like I'll take a trade of the Twins. You can trade. You can get traded <laughs> to the like Cleveland. Like let's you, do it. Like that I would promise be- you, <laughs> Cleveland has wanted Luis Arise for a long time, right? And so this this kind of brings me to my next question, which is that for those of us who who pay attention and are and and like to dork out about player development and prospects and all these things. Different organizations target different kinds of players, right? And Cleveland has become synonymous with two things. Uh, players that if they everything goes right, they're some semblance of Jose Ramirez, right? Mm-hmm. You know, shorter arms, switch hitting, infielders, stuff like that, make a lot of contact. Or, you know, college pitchers that throw a bunch of strikes and will make them throw harder and then they'll become amazing, right? Mm-hmm. And they've done that now for over half a decade and they have a loaded farm system, as you know. So when you're coming up through the system, are you looking around? You're like, hey, wait a minute. I know you are it's a little different as an outfielder and not a switch hitter. But do you notice that? Like, do the people who are in the Guardians organization coming up kind of understand what is prioritized in terms of who the kinds of players are that they're bringing in and looking around and be like, wait, we have seven different switch hitting shortstops that all kind of do the same thing. Like this is a good thing and it's working for them. But do you notice that when you're part of the the minor league system? Yeah, I think so. Um, especially kind of they focus a lot on kind of small ball, playing the game right. Like it's not just a lift, home run, get the biggest arms kind of thing. And that's obviously I appreciate that growing up uh, through the through the system. Um, and I just kind of knew that like this was kind of this was one of the few places where like I think I would be appreciated and where I can actually kind of grow my game and not be molded to being the big lift slug guy. Mm. Um, there was a lot of coaches who just basically told me, which I appreciate. It was like, hey, just keep doing your thing. Like, don't don't worry about what like people are doing around you. Like your style of play works. Just keep doing that. Keep your head down and things are going to work out. So, again, I'm, I appreciate where they've taken me through all that. Jordan, I have this vision in my head of like. Antonetti in like a classroom and like all the recently drafted guys are sitting in the classroom and there's on the on the chalkboard there's a picture of Ramirez and a picture of Shane Bieber and he has like the stick and he's just pointing to them he's just like these <laughs> like, guys do this listen to, to us and you can be them someday right yeah. right and like the guys in class are like scribbling, be Jose Ramirez. Okay. All right. Sure. It's that simple, right? Well, I remember when we got drafted, we were actually watching videos just like that. I think we watched like a fir- like a runner go first, a third, and then we watched like a nine pitch at bat. And I also think we watched that like Rajay Davis, just like gritty at bat or mm-hmm. he, or I think he did like, he battled, he battled for a long time and got the home run, but then they were like, okay, so you saw that, but like what nobody knows is that that before that by like Brandon Geyer, who like got it. It's just, I was, I remember I was just like, yeah, yes. like, okay, we're talking about Brandon Geyer right now. Like, this is, this is firing me up. Like, <laughs> like you're getting, dork, you're dorking out too, right? Yeah. No, I was, I was fired up. I was like, yeah, like good ABs. That's what I'm talking about. So, <laughs> good ABs. I'm glad you mentioned that too, because that's, that's one other thing. And then, and then we kind of want to spin it towards the whole Cleveland team and what it's like being on the big league team is very specifically a skill as we see oh, you have all these hits and you have the high batting average, whatever, and you, you know, you, you don't swing at bad pitches. Fouling pitches off. This is a skill that is hard to, it's hard to pull up a leaderboard on this in the same way it is for some of these other things, contact rate, whatever. Um, that's another thing when I think about a rise is spoiling pitches. And oftentimes a broadcast be like, oh, we spoiled that one, he spoiled that one. I'm sure that is something you've kind of developed a, a way to do that. And, and I've watched you do that uh, th- throughout the time uh, in, in the big league so far. Do you feel like that is a skill that you can train? How do you know? Can you, do you feel like I am going to foul this off as soon as the pitch come out of hand versus, Oh, whoops. I, I accidentally put it in play and now I'm out. 
Yeah, no, I, I might be uh, I might be going against the narrative here, but I, I can promise you, like, I've never tried to foul a ball off. Like, okay. I don't know if that's a trainable skill. Like, I think every one of those balls that I'm fouling off, if it's less than two strikes, it's like I just missed it because I was trying to get my A swing. And sure. if it's two, two strikes, it's like, oh, my God, I'm in survival mode. Like, just put any <laughs> okay. bat in the ball and okay. hopefully it touches it. Um, mm-hmm. That's why, like, I hear that Wade Boggs thing. He's like, oh, that guy could spoil any pitch. Like, and you see the video of him just, like, you know, ass how kind of swing at a fastball. I'm like, I don't know. Like, again, I might be a hater, but I don't think he was trying to foul it off. No, I think but that's interesting. Because like, yeah. if you of all people, you would think is the one who is doing it on purpose and waiting to get their perfect pitch, but you're still trying to put it in play basically every time. Unless, but like you said, survival mode's a little bit different. But yeah, that absolutely. is really interesting. Yeah. yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not buying that one. Busters, spoiling. Yeah, I was gonna say that's, yeah. that's, that's a good way to put it. Um, so let's. Last couple of questions here, talking about the 2022 Cleveland Guardians, because you guys were such a unique group for a number of reasons, notably just how young of a unit you were. And I remember seeing you guys in person at the series at Yankee Stadium in April. And that was the day where, you know, the, the fans threw the trash on the field and Miles Straw jumped up to the fence and all mm-hmm. that stuff happened. And we don't have to get into the specifics of it. But there was a picture of you guys like all walking off the field together in a group like yeah. side by side with this bravado. And yeah. I remember seeing that and being like, these motherfuckers actually <laughs> like each other. Yeah. <laughs> right? I'm curious for you, what when you look back on that moment, it was it as energizing as like my read on it? And what type of environment and culture was created within your clubhouse because of how young everybody was? Yeah, that was definitely a big moment for me because obviously – Got like hurt up against the wall. Miles stands up for me. I think in like the most like primal instinct kind of thing, like it was just cool to be like accepted into that group to show that like they actually cared about me. Cause like you kind of hear all these things like, oh, this guy's gonna take your job. This guy's, you know, this guy's gonna, you know, maybe hit lead off. Like he's gonna, he's gonna invade on you. Like I feel like you hear that a lot in the big leagues where it's like, okay, like you can have friends, but like this guy might take your job, so don't get too close. Like to see. Mercado and Miles stand up for me and then basically after him being like hey man like that's bullshit like fuck those guys you know we're here for you it was like that's cool like they didn't have to stand up for me like they really didn't have to like Miles could have just you know like totally got to shut up but you know something obviously clicked and he had to go do all that which I appreciate Mercado said the same thing so I think once we saw that like we were standing up for each other everybody kind of jumped on that same train I remember Hedges in the bus was like hey like that was one of the most badass things I've ever seen as like a team like People talk about being close with your with your boys and like showing up and you do anything, but like to actually go out and do that, like that's different. And I remember in the moment it was weird, but he was like, "That game is why we're gonna be a great team this year." And I'm like, "We lost. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, we 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 lost that game. Like, I don't know what you're talking about." But really seeing that group come together after that, and I know exactly what picture you're talking about. Like, we all got our glasses on. Like, yeah, adrenaline's flowing through. Like, that was that was really cool. Where it was like, okay, like the the stuff that Tio talks about breeding good culture like it's actually real it's not just bs behind the scenes so that was really encouraging especially because when you look at who's in that picture and you mentioned wanting to be accepted because you're still a rookie you've only been in the big leagues for so long and you look around the roster is yes everyone is in their 20s but it's guys recently come over from trade there's guys that are you know rookies guys that you know came over just came up or it was it was a fascinating combination of players all of which were young but then you seem to all kind of blend together very quickly and, and obviously had that incredible second half going on to the postseason. So you mentioned that was kind of a, a, a you know, 
fueled fueled you for kind of the rest of that season. Was there another point maybe later on in the year as you're, you're pushing towards the postseason where you kind of looked around, you're like, damn, this is a really, really fun group to play with yeah. now that you start to actually know these guys and you knew like, I am on this team. I'm not going to get sent out. Like I am a big leader. I'm sure you accepted that at some point. Yeah, no, it was really cool. I think the biggest thing was like all of the, you know, quote unquote older guys, like there was no ego on the team. Like everybody, I maybe it was just because like, (laughs) there were not very many old guys at all. Yeah. But like nobody had an ego. Like nobody was, I think maybe it was because like everybody didn't know like how secure their job would be, but everybody, I mean, every single day we were fighting tooth and nail just to get the next person up. Like it was again, like really college baseball esque, just yeah. super gritty. But I think the one point that jumped out was, uh, and this was in like late June, like really not even that close to the postseason time, but Luke Maley called a, uh, a, a team meeting, no coaches and anything. One and, of the old guys. Yeah. Old guy, Luke Maley. Yeah. 31, <laughs> like, but I remember he was like, he's like, boys, like we're kind of on a bad scuff right now. Like, Moral story, basically, was like, if we don't spin things around right now, like, the season's going to be over. And I remember thinking, like, it's late June. Like, we got a lot of time to kind of figure this thing out. But I remember him, like, with, like, urgency. He's like, there's some things I need to change. Like, we have a really special group. This is, the like, one of the best groups of guys I've ever played with. Like, we have something special, and I don't want to see it go down the drain right now. And he obviously played, you know, with the Rays, Blue Jays, like, all these really great teams, great players. Um, But to hear him kind of say, like, this is the most special group that he's played with, there's real potential in this, but like, and I remember, remember him saying like young guys, like you need to step up and pick up for the older guys. Like right. we're trying to do something here, but we, you have to take responsibility and accountability for what we're trying to do. And I just remember like, I'm just, obviously I'm just trying to make it every day and not get sent down. Like you said, but it was like, okay, like I'm going to change. Now my frame of reference has changed. Like this is my team now. Like I'm part of this team. I have to show up. Right. And, and what's interesting about it is, and I, I remember this from my own experience playing mediocre college baseball is like, when you're a freshman and you show up, you're like, oh, I have four more, or in your case, three, but like, oh, I have four more years of this. There's a lack of urgency that always exists with a, a, a group of freshmen. Mm-hmm. Whereas the seniors are staring down the barrel of not just the end of their careers, but a, literally adulthood, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's a, an insane level of urgency. And I think the great college baseball teams are the ones that are able to communicate that urgency down to the freshmen. And like mm-hmm. Luke Maley, who is, you know, a journeyman catcher who doesn't know where his next contract might be coming from. Mm-hmm. I think that's really indicative that he was able to communicate that in a way that got this young group of players who like, you kind of just have like five more years in Cleveland, right? Like mm-hmm. there's no urgency really. And got you guys to kind of get moving in the right direction. That's really interesting to me. Yeah, no, he's he was the man. Him and Hedges were kind of those guys that always kind of routed us up and brought the urgency back. They they liked the looseness of it, but that one was a big one where I was like, yeah, this is this is important. And looking at the roster, Jordan, you and I talked about this before we hopped on. Only three, sorry, only four players on the 2022 Guardians were older than 30. Four, four guys for the whole older year. Than 30 appeared <laughs> in a game at all. That's Brian Shaw, Sandy Leone, Luke Maley, Anthony Ghost. That's it. That is unheard of, unheard of, unheard of. So now let's spin it forward, and this will be kind of my last question for you. What is the next step for this team? How do you see your uh, your group going from an early exit in the postseason to making a deeper run into October? Yeah, I think just, again, kind of accepting our roles and understanding like, okay, we made some noise last year, but you can't get complacent there. Um, I think it's, it's interesting dynamic of nobody believes in you, and now you're you know, outperforming expectations. So you're playing with house money. I think that was a really cool dynamic we played with last year. 
And it was just like, it was almost fearless. Like, okay, like screw it. Like nobody thought we'd be here. Let's just play with our, our hair on fire and go. Um, moving into this next year, there's obviously a little more, I'm not gonna say pressure, but like expectations that are expected of us now. And I think with a young group again, and nobody taking anything for granted, I think it's going to be exciting going into it. Um, we have a lot of tools. We have a lot of potential that can go, go into it. Um, I'm sure Tito's going to rally the troops behind us. And he does a great job of obviously getting us in the right mindset. But I mean, there's a lot to be optimistic about. Um, almost too optimistic. Like, I think it's going to be a really cool <laughs> year. We made some really cool additions. Like, it's going to be an exciting year. I've heard Josh Bell is like elite level dude, too. Yeah. You, and you got, and, and Zunino is as, as hard as it is to replace in terms of clubhouse character for Hedges and Maley, who I know are both not there anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Zunino is exact checks that box exactly in that sense too. Um, so that makes sense. And Josh Bell, right. I mean, again, switch hitter doesn't swing and miss. He's just way bigger than everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> He's just like a big version of, uh, of, of what they're always going after. Um, I want to finish with Tito actually. Uh, I think that's, that's a good place to end because when you look, you know, not that he's the oldest manager, but you know, he's, he's not necessarily one that you would totally pick to vibe with the youngest team in baseball. And yet, of course he does, because he's also the guy on the scooter and on the, like he, so how does, how does he connect? Or is he kind of the thing is like, listen, you trust me. Everybody knows I'm one of the best managers in baseball. So I'm going to do my thing. You guys do your thing. Or does he also kind of get involved in the the clubhouse culture directly? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. I think that's what makes him such a great manager. He knows when to kind of pull and push with those kind of things. Like mm-hmm. on one end, I remember when he told me that I made the the roster, like he had this really somber kind of energy. And it was basically like he he basically was just like, hey, kid, like, we're sorry it had to come to this. Like, you know, we, we really try to look at every single angle. Like, you know, we appreciate you busting your balls. And obviously with that kind of talk, it's like, oh, damn, like, you know, didn't make it. And then just like that flips and he's like, ah, you made the team, kid. Like, congratulate. And then, I'm, you know, I'm I'm going crazy. So, like, in that in- instance, he's awesome. Like, he's one of the guys. He's just out there messing around. But then on the flip side, like, he's a, a really good coach. Like, I remember in that May, I was I was starting to slump, you know, kind of coming back down to earth. And I remember I hadn't gotten a hit in what felt like weeks. So, I remember we're in Minnesota. Um, there's a runner on first, and I hit a single through the four hole. Um, runner from first goes to third and the guy just fails to throw over the cutoff to throw to third. And I'm just chilling at first. And I remember he called me into his office just like right after that. And he's like, Hey kid, like, what do you think about here? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. Like I haven't gotten a hit in a while. Like that felt pretty good. And he's like, yeah, I get that. But you need to be on second for that. I'm like, like, damn, like, aren't like, you know, I thought he was supposed to make me feel good. Like, you know, kind of pat me on the back and tell me like, everything's going to be okay. But like that accountability was like, no, you're right. Like I'm feeling sorry for myself. Like just cause I haven't gotten a hit in a while. doesn't mean I had to stop playing the game. And it wasn't like a demeaning kind of way that he said that either. He's like, Hey, like I need you to be on second. Like, I think after that Jose grabs a double play because I'm still on first base. He's like, you know, we needed that run, you know, these things, you know, have a cause and effect. So, you know, keep going, but like, keep your head up and always look at where that, that pitch is, or where the ball is coming in. So that kind of accountability was super big for me as well. Cause obviously coming from a big college, I think like just the cold, hard truth, you need to hear that as much as possible. You don't need to sugarcoat things. And in that instance, I wanted to hear sugarcoating, but that's not what I needed. So to be able for him to go back and forth on that is what makes him that hall of fame manager, which I obviously appreciate. And I'm lucky that I got to come up with him. 
It is a, it is a good place to be. Uh, the Guardians were absolutely one of the most fun teams to watch last year. I'm sure they will be again uh, this year. Stephen Kwan, this was an absolute delight. Uh, where can people find uh, your work? Your hitting. Where, where can a, people uh, see are there your any, hitting? Yeah, causes or charities or things that you <laughs> yeah, want to plug. Anything, anything you want to get off your chest and share <laughs> yeah. to the people of America. Oh wow, putting me on the spot here. I need to be better with that. No, not really right now. Um, I'm just real excited. I got this little chess club uh, squad in uh, Cleveland. I know they're going to nationals in a little bit, so that'll be really cool. Um, so, wait, are you on the team? No, no, that's high schoolers. They're high schoolers. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think I'm just a good ego boost for them after they mm. they. Came, but but they've been teaching me a lot, which is really cool. But I, they're like top ten in like schools in America, which is really cool. Um, so they're balling out. I'm really excited for them. Um, no, I mean, the people of Cleveland come out and see a game. I know you guys love your Browns, but, you know, we got a really good team right down the street. Um, not to dog the Browns, but, you know, they get undying support no matter how they play. That and is true. Really, and, you know, I think we got something really special. So if you can brave the cold and, you know, come watch a couple games, I think that'd be a lot of fun. But other than that, just excited for another year. Appreciate it. it. Steven Kwan, you're the best, man. Talk to you soon. Appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. Negro Leagues Baseball Museum President Bob Kendrick hosts the SiriusXM original podcast, Black Diamonds. The Negro Leagues didn't care what color you were, and they didn't care what gender you were. Can you play? Hear stories of the leagues and legends that shaped sport, culture, and society. That's why the museum is so important. It's like, we are never going to forget you. Episodes of the award-winning Black Diamonds are now available wherever you get your podcasts. We're not talking about balls and strikes. We're talking about your life. Thank you again to Stephen Kwan for joining us on the show. But he's not the only special guest we have as we are about to talk to Xavier Edwards, a prospect with the Miami Marlins. Uh, just for a little bit of context, uh, Xavier Edwards is someone that we were uh, lucky enough to meet right when he was drafted. He was a first-round pick in 2018, and we got to cover that draft in person. He was one of the prospects uh, that went up to New York City and was at the draft. And so we got to know him a little bit then, and you know we followed his career since. And he's had an interesting offseason, to say the least, and uh, that is the reason why we wanted to have him on the podcast. So enjoy this conversation with Xavier Edwards. Xavier, thank you so much for hopping on the show. Yeah, man, no problem. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be on for sure. All right. So, uh, Xavier, when your season ended uh, a few months ago, you know, you played in Durham, you're in AAA, you know, you're getting close to the big leagues. If I had told you on the last day of the season that, A, you would be traded to your hometown uh, team in Miami, and B, you would be posting Instagram pictures with DJ Khaled, uh, 2 Chains, uh, Tyler, the Creator, uh, by the end of the offseason, which of those two events would be more surprising to you? I mean, oof. I would think the latter, right? I mean, I didn't think there was a good shot of me and DJ Khaled chopping it up a bit, but here I am <laughs> chopping it up with DJ Khaled. <laughs> Uh, okay, so that's that's a good a good place to start. Now, listen, as, as I did mention, you, you did you did get traded this offseason for the second time already in your young career, uh, experiencing a trade. So let's talk about that first, and then for some people listening, have no idea what we're talking about, which is totally fair. But we will we will get to the, the DJ chopping it up with DJ Khaled. So let's talk about the trade first because that did happen first. You get traded. You know, you you played your high school ball right near you know relatively close um, to Marlins Park. Um, what, what was that experience like and, and how did that all go down in November? Um, you know, it was 
kind of a crazy time. Um, I didn't know what to expect. Um, roster crunch was happening. My first roll five. So I was roll five eligible or I had to get protected by the raise. So I knew it was like a Tuesday or so. It was getting close to that time frame, like six o'clock where the rosters had to be in. So, you know, it's getting close to six. I haven't really heard anything. My agent's like, oh, like, I think you're going to get you know, protected. Like, that's the last I've heard. He had talked to Neander, the GM for the Rays, back a few months during the season. So that was kind of the plan. So I was like, oh, okay, like, I guess I'll be hearing sooner that's great. sooner or later. So 6 o'clock is running around. I'm about to get in my car, and um, I have a missed call from um, our – I think it was the farm director, uh, Jeff McLaren. I'm like, oh, okay. He sends me a voicemail. So I'm like, oh, this has got to be someone. He's like, oh, give me a ring when, when you, like, as soon as possible. So, you know, I give him a call back as soon as I hop in my car. He's like, Oh, like, how you doing? I'm like, Oh, dude, well, you know, some small talk. And he's like, Oh, well, I have some bittersweet news. And I was like, I was like, man, this is weird. Like, you know, I thought maybe he's gonna be like, Oh, we're not going to protect you or, you know, something like that. I was just didn't really know what to expect. And he's like, Oh, um, you've been a part of a trade uh, to the Marlins. And it was almost like there was like a dramatic pause in between. Like maybe it was just me hearing it, but it felt like a dramatic pause of him saying, no, you were a part of a trade to, to the Miami Marlins. And I was like, man, like, this is crazy. Like now I get to come home like 30 minutes from spring, an hour from the big league stadium, you know, all the family around here, like, like this is everything I've ever asked for, you know, Jordan, it's like back in the day, remember like Ryan Seacrest in American Idol, he'd be like, we'll let you know who's eliminated. After the break, and I'm I'm so happy that that you got to have that moment hang in the air because you know when you're traded for any player, there's bittersweet emotions, right? Because one team is giving you up, but there's another team somewhere else that is clearly interested and believes in your talent. And I just I love that you were like, oh man, oh tomorrow, cool. I got uh, I got one more question, and then we'll 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 pivot to to brunch chat. Uh, Wikipedia (laughs) is telling me that you went to the same high school as Ariana Grande. Yes, sir. And yes, sir. Was, like, give me just a taste of what that is, because she was already famous by the time you got into high school, I would imagine. Right. No, like, she yeah, was already. We never passed. We never crossed paths. She wasn't at the school when I went there. So I actually transferred there my, my last two years of high school in 17 and 18. I don't think if I could be wrong, I don't want to miss misspeak, but I don't really believe that she finished in person. So I think she oh, was yeah. Kinda, yeah, she was on her, you know, <laughs> she was busy doing other things, yeah, her Victoria's perhaps? Hollywood yeah. grind. And uh, I think she finished online, you know, if she ever finished, you know, like some people have like notable alumni on their Wikipedia page, but she is a top 10 famous human being right. in the world. You know <laughs> right. what I mean? Like that is, that is like another stratosphere. Like, oh yeah, Ariana Grande. Uh, well, it was, is a perfect transition. Was Ariana Grande at brunch? I didn't see her, so I don't think she was. I don't think I would have missed her. I know she's not the biggest girl, so like maybe I would have missed her, but I don't think I did. I don't think she was. Oh, there. that's true. If she a was little, there, you would have had to like, hey, we. I, I went to. I had to. It's got to be. It would okay. have to be all over the North Broward website. It would have to be. Oh the yeah. Alums. Oh oh exactly. Oh such such great alumni <laughs> content. Oh man. Oh my God, that is so incredible. North Broward so proud. Oh look at our alums. We got Ariana Grande and Xavier Edwards at at brunch. And right. people are like, what? What what's going on here? Like, what? let's explain. Let's explain what we're talking about. Jordan, do you want to explain? Do you want me to explain or do you want I think Xavier? I think Xavier Edwards should explain because he's the one that was there and he's the one that got the invite. So, so, so what, tell I us just about, want to say, Jordan, we're yeah. on Instagram. Like we're scrolling through Instagram. Like we follow a lot of players and like, here's a picture of Xavier Edwards and like two chains on our feet. And that's all we know. You take it from here. Yeah. Um, 
it's been a whirlwind. Honestly, believe it or not, I almost didn't go. Like I really, okay. I really was considering not going. Like it was honestly all last minute. Like last week, like the beginning of last week, I was like, all right, I'm gonna go book the flight, get the hotel situated, figure out my suit situation. Like all of it was like five, six days before it ever happened. So basically, Jay Z, you know, if you ever heard of him, I don't know. Some people may not know yeah. that guy. But I think so. Yeah, yeah. Jay Z, you know, he has this brunch, I guess, before the Grammys. I don't want to say every year, but it's usually every couple of years. The last one, I think, was in 2019 because COVID kind of shut the last few down. So he does a brunch. Um, I think the, the last few have been in L.A., but I could be mistaken. But it's a day before the Grammys, so the, the brunch on Saturday, the Grammys on Sunday. And um, it's just a collaboration of, like, Brock Nation people. I mean, you've got NFL players. You've got you know music producers. You've got actresses, artists. And this year, you know, he was kind enough to invite the baseball players because we represent Rock has probably about like 30, 40 baseball clients. So he was nice enough to extend the invitation to like the baseball agents and the baseball clients this year. So my agent had told me about it about a month ago. He's like, oh, you know, we've got this event out in L.A., you know, JD, the Rock Brunch, whatever. I was like, have you ever heard of it? I was like, no, nah, I've never heard of it. I don't really follow celebrities and that really closely. He's like, oh, I've never heard of it. So, you know, fast forward a few weeks. I'm like, oh, yeah, I think I'm going to go. It should be a good experience, like network a bit. My boy Mark Vanta is with the Mets. He's like hyping me up. We go down to Miami. He's hyping me up. He's like, bro, it's going to be sick, bro. Like, we get to meet all these people. And I'm like, all right, well, you kind of sold me on it. So, like, all right, now I'm interested. So, like, let's do it. So, yeah, we, we get out there and it's like super secretive. You have to Uber. They give you, you go to the Rock office in LA, you pick up a little entry card, like a folder that has your information in it. And, there's like an address to where, where we have to Uber the next day. So it's like Saturday, Friday, we go to the office. Saturday, we Uber to like this UCLA parking lot. And it's like all blocked off. You have to show them your entry card. There's like a blue card, which was for like the athletes and the celebrities. And there's like a gold card for like the, the rock staff for like their line. So two separate lines. We do like a red carpet picture. We go through the line, do a picture, and then they shuttle us. So they have a bunch of cars that are just funneling through pick up like four people at a time and they drive us to this estate out in Beverly Hills. So we're just, you know, in the car 15 minutes, get up there and. Wait, quick I mean, question about the car. Quick question about the car. Um, how many people in each car? Are you going three in the back? Are you squeezing yeah, it in? You, in your you know, smushed in with Vientos and whoever? So what? I actually got some, Mark for one time, Mark beat me to it. So Mark was there earlier before me. So he's further ahead in the line. So it was just me and my girlfriend, and then we met these two nice ladies. They work for like a music, kind of like talent industry, a talent like okay. company that's like backed by Zach Randolph, the old NBA player. They're like a Memphis. <laughs> Incredible. Oh, Zemo. Yeah. Like oh, my God. He wasn't in the car, but like these two ladies that like work for his like talent industry. They're like crazy. They're like, you're like, oh, like, how are you doing? Like, oh, what do you do? Like, I'm like, oh, I, I play baseball. Oh, that's so cool. And like, you know, they get excited. <laughs> And then I'm like, oh, like, what do you guys do? And they're like telling me, like, oh, like they work for this agency, like they have money bag yo under their agency. Like, you know, it's just like you never you really never right. know who you're gonna run into or you're in a car with, like in the shuttle on this 15 minute ride. So I'm like, Incredible. Oh, okay, like that's how you really run into it. So we're in the shuttle, we get up there, there's a little bit of a wait, we get up the hill, there's like a security, all that. We get up the hill to the finally we get to the estate, and it's just, just like this big, beautiful venue. You could oversee like all the hills, all the other like estates. There's a bunch of people driving by. So while we're waiting in the shuttle. I see this like old, I think it was like an old school, either BMW or, or Benz. And I see it drive by. It's white, like old school thing. I'm like, 
I look in and I see this guy wearing like green and I'm like, that's Tyler Creator. And my girlfriend's like, no, that's not Tyler Creator. I'm like, I just saw <laughs> so- that guy. That's a hundred percent Tyler Creator. Like no doubts in my mind. She ended up getting upstairs, whatever. We get all the way oh, up there. I love, I love how neither of you knew what you were getting yourself into because Nothing. like there are so many people in the world where it's like, oh, it's a Rock Nation brunch. Like these people are going to be there. Like, of course they're going to be there. But you, for you guys, like you didn't even no. know that that might be t- Okay. Sorry. Keep going. We have this no, so like, I had no background, you know, like, a, like girls, you know, they, like my girlfriend, she keeps up with celebrities and oh, this person's doing this, you know, this celebrity's wearing that, but like, I don't really follow that stuff. So I'm like, Rock Nation brunch, what's that? Like, sounds like a normal brunch to me. Kind of like so naive. Like there's no idea. Yeah, you're like mimos- like you're like mimosas and eggs benedict like a- <laughs> right mimosas some flatbread pizzas you know open bar sounds like a good time in la sounds like a good time little do i know that i'm gonna be out here at two chains at a table hey what's up bro you want to take a picture like he's freaking- okay so so to your point here so you you know, on the right of now you see, oh, that's how the creator. And now you start to piece together, oh, we're about to see a lot of famous people right. very quickly at and all at once. So once that reality starts to set in, do you kind of change and start thinking about like, how am I going to handle this? Am I about to go like introduce myself to all these people? Like that, how did that really change the mood? And I'm also, especially for your girlfriend who maybe she had a better sense of it, but it seems like she was in denial about Tyler, the creator being there. So I can only imagine once she realized all the other people she was about to see, it was maybe a little overwhelming. Right, right. Um, so I didn't want to put too much pressure on it. You know, like um, I, I'm i not like super vocal. I'm not super outspoken. But like I feel like I know how to communicate with people. I know how to spark conversation. And like for me, honestly, like I just like I don't I don't care. I don't mind being like, you know, an outlier. I don't mind like being like not laughed at, but you know, like I don't, I don't mind doing things that some people may think is like uncomfortable. Like if I see you and like people don't want to go up to you, I'll go up to you and talk to you. So it was like, right. mm-hmm. so we you know we get into the brunch. They open up the door, we get out. They have a bunch of like ladies holding like champagne. So we get the champagne. And we're all taking our videos, walking in, following the path. And like you go through the path and you see like pictures of like past brunches. And you see you know Beyonce, Jay Z, like all these people on pictures and plaques hung up. And then you get in and there's like this big tent. There's a bunch of people there, tables, like open bar, DJ. And then out the back, there's some more tables. So like the baseball players, we all kind of like settled in towards like the back area. And it's still covered, but it's like not technically underneath the tent. So we're back there and we're kind of all, you know, talking to the baseball agents, talking to the other players. You know, talk, I was talking to Dom Smith, Jaden Hill, my boy Mark Vientos, because I, I knew him. So me and him were by each other and some other, other baseball guys. So we're kind of just talking to each other, you know, getting familiar with each other. Just like talking shop jazz is there. Um, some of like the girls are kind of talking to each other because, you know, they're getting to know each other, being around each other's girlfriends and wives and stuff. So we're just back there, you know, hanging out. You know, we start taking pictures because, you know, it's Rock Nation. They're big with social media presence and all this. So, you know, of course, pictures have to be taken at the brunch. So we're back there taking pictures. Um, I go to the bar. I get a drink. So, like, it's kind of hot, but I had, had a little drink flowing. I'm feeling good. So I'm like, all right, we're like, we're taking the pictures. So I have the first encounter. I think, honestly, I, I don't want to take too much credit, but I think I got the ball rolling. So me and Mark yeah. are taking the picture here, and my girlfriend is taking the picture of us. So we're here posing, taking the picture, whatever. And Tyler Crater almost walks into her, like almost walks in front of the camera, like about a photobomb, like on accident. So he gets out the way. DJ Khaled pretty much follows right in behind him. And I'm like, 
I don't like I don't care, bro. I'm like I'm like, yo, hop in the picture, man. So he just comes, hops in the middle of our picture, just gets in with us, and that's how you see that picture of DJ Khaled. He hops in. Mm-hmm. So now me and Mark got a picture of DJ Khaled, and like then I think some of the other guys like kind of realize like, oh, like you know, like they're just people, you know, like yeah, they're celebrities, but they're just people. Like if you just talk to them or you go up to them, like they might say yes, they might say yeah, or whatever. Who it's knows? Cool. Yeah, right. So then like yeah. after that, I seen a couple of the other guys like go up to like, DJ Khaled, like oh, I gotta get a picture now. And I feel like at that point, that's just got the ball rolling. And it was just like, it was just like, all right, we're like now me and Mark are on a mission. Let's just see how many people we can meet, how many people we can talk to. So I got to meet like a lot of, a lot of really, really cool people. It was, it was cool. Oh was my sick, God. Man. And again, you know, we encourage everyone, you know, go check out uh, Xavier on Instagram and you can see all these great pictures we got. It's just like, cause for us, right? Like we are, we are constantly consuming baseball content. We know all these players at all these different levels and we know the groups of friends that they hang out with. And so like, I've seen a million pictures of, of, you know, jazz with other baseball players and Dom Smith, you know, hanging out with some of these guys, you know, all know each other. And so then to just have that combined with some of the most famous people in America was just a a bizarre thing. But to your point, it seems like you had the skill set prepared to just be like, Hey, we're here. We got the super secret invite might as well make the most of it. And so it seems, like you you kind of embrace that from from for the rest of the the, the brunch is that and then and what were some other notable encounters i guess beyond what we see on the picture um i mean i, I talked to um joey badass was there and i like watched him in um this show called power he's like an actress or actor sorry mm-hmm. in the in the show power so like i watched him mm-hmm. so i see him i'm like i watched you in the tv show power <laughs> like I remember you. From and he's power. like, and you do. Music. Yeah. And he's like, I watch International League Baseball too. What are the chances? That's crazy. <laughs> That's like my favorite part of this, though, dude, is like a lot of you guys were grinding all year in AAA. You know, Jaden Hill coming back from Tommy John. Like, right. you guys are not like you're grinding. You're like in Durham, North Carolina for the whole year. And then boom, here you are like, Next to, you know, Machine Gun Kelly, who, you know, <laughs> that guy seems interesting. Well, you see, that's that's the same thing I thought. You know, I, I watch, you know, some of the, the celebrity shows and the, the Grammys, mm-hmm. like all that stuff. And, you know, like he wears like, you know, crazy stuff, like stuff that I could never even think about putting on or pull off. So, like, I'm thinking, you know, he's going to be like this, like super, like just like different, different guy, like not approachable guy. Just one of those kind of Hollywood, like ask people. So I go up to him. And I'm like, what's up, bro? Like, uh, I play baseball with the Marlins. I'm Xavier. Like, what's up, bro? How, how you doing? He's like, oh, what's up? Oh, he's like, man, that's crazy, bro. I love baseball. Um, I ha- he said he had like this bar or restaurant in uh, Cleveland. It was called like 27 something. Yeah. He's like, yeah, bro, you should mm-hmm. um, you should check out my bar or whatever, 27 something, whenever you're in Cleveland. I'm like, oh, for sure, bro. Like, you mind if I get a picture? He's like, yeah, for sure. And we take like we take a few pictures. And I was like, I, that was like what opened my eye. I was like, man, like this is probably – like one of the coolest guys I met like the whole time there, you know, some of them like are, some of the celebrities are kind of standoffish. They don't like pictures or they don't like, you know, interacting with, I guess, quote unquote, normal people or whatever. But like he, for him to be like, so like out there and be so approachable and like talkative to me, like, I was like, wow, like that's like quite like he was, I told my parents like, and everything when I got back, I was like, like, Oh, like, who's probably the coolest person. I was like, honestly, like, it was probably machine gun Kelly, like super approachable guy. He was like I love quick it. to have conversation. Like that's the stuff that like you would never know. Like I would have a completely different picture painted of him had I never met him at this thing. Well, that's what's funny about him specifically. Like if I wanted to design a person in a lab to look unapproachable and intimidating, 
it's literally it would look exactly like machine right. gun kelly Stick and and he would, up. yeah like and very he would like be named like machine not like gun kelly. and he would be named machine gun <laughs> kelly exactly right. right like hey i'm does he introduce himself as machine gun Honestly, I don't think he even said his name. Cause I think I told him like, yeah, yeah I've heard his music or whatever. I don't think he even said his name. I mean, it's safe, safe to assume I knew it was Machine Gun Kelly. So I guess he doesn't really need an intro at this point. Okay. Okay. But yeah, normally you 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 recognize all of them. Um, was there anyone that was too famous for you to approach, <laughs> or the people? I don't know if Jay Z and Beyonce made appearance at this or not. Um, I don't know who you did see, maybe from a distance, but. Was there someone that was maybe just out of reach or, or out of realistic a striking range? Because again, again, you look at these pictures, you, you checked off a lot of people there. Right. You got some pretty sweet pictures, some cool encounters. But <laughs> were there any ones that didn't make it uh, into that Instagram post that you, you wish maybe, oh, you know, there was that one moment like, oh, that was my opening. And then you miss uh, anything like that. Yeah, there was. Um, I wouldn't say that there was an opening because honestly, again, like honest, if there was any opening, I was probably going to shoot for it. Like I, I had no fear. I, I mean, granted, I had a couple adult beverages, but I, I had no <laughs> it helps. I That's had, fine. Yeah, it was just keeping even looser on your feet. I had no fear whatsoever. I'm like, I'm gonna go at this thing head on. So there was like a little, like a little click going on in like the back corner. It was like Jay Z, Lil Baby, and Lil Uzi. I don't know if you've seen any pictures like Louis. He's like, he had like the hair going. It was kind of crazy. Yes. Like yes. the three of them are in this back corner and they're like talking and they're kind of crowded by like a bunch of other people. Like, I don't know if they're bodyguards or just like a crowd of people that just like stopped in that area, but it was a tough corner to get back to. So I was like, mm. you know, as bad as I want to, you know, talk, talk to Jay-Z or shake his hand or like talk to a little baby, Louis, like whatever, like, you know, I'm probably not just going to pull up on this couch and, you know, sit right next to the two of them having this conversation. I don't know if that would be the time. That was the line. Right. You drew the line for yourself there. You were like, listen, I'm not going to get greedy. I've already, I just dapped up Mark Wahlberg, you know, me and two chains are chopping it up. Like I'm good. Hey, I'm there's, good. A, there's always next year, baby. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it, you it seems like you made a good impression. You, hey, like it bro, seems just like get a little service time. You get a little big league service time in there. <laughs> you know, then they watch a couple Marlins games. Marlins make mm, a run. Right. Then Lil Lucy's coming up to you, 2024 Rock Nation Brunch. There you go. And then maybe I'll have a oh song. Oh, my God. There you oh, go. Oh, maybe. my. Wow. Why, yeah, why stop there? Um, all right. Well, I could ask like 500 more questions, but we want to let you. We want we want to be respectful of your time, especially now that you're you know a big celebrity uh, and friends with <laughs> uh, Now that you're a, a, a brunch attendee. Um, but what are the other things you're just excited about for this upcoming season with, with Miami and, and you know goals for 2023? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to be here. Uh, I think that's, this is a great place to be right now. Um, I think they're really embracing the, the kind of player that, uh, I know I can be and the player that I've shown in the past in my, in my better seasons. So, um, I'm excited for that to be able to put my best foot forward and it kind of just play ball, you know, um, I don't feel like I'm going to jump off the page, if you will, if, uh, you know, some prospects have, you know, these super loud tools. Um, I think I have a really good skill set. Um, I'm a skilled player. I know how to play the game the right way. And I, I'm a smart player as well. All the tools to go along with that. So um, uh, I'm excited to just kind of put my school, my skill set on, on display. And um, I think the Marlins are going to give me a kind of a, a free reign, if you will, to to just play my game and and to show um, you know what, what player I can be and how I can help their team win. So I'm really excited about that. I'm definitely looking forward to getting up to Miami, or I guess down to Miami from here, down to Miami <laughs> yeah. um, as soon as I can, whether it's out of camp or or it's not. Um, just looking to help help for help that team win. 
and, uh, you know, get, get my debut and, and some time under my belt for sure. It's pretty interesting because, um, like, if you look at what the, the Marlins have done this offseason, right, they are clearly acquiring players that have similar-ish skill sets to you. And from the outside, right. like Gene Segura, you know, players like that where it's clear to us on the outside that they are valuing that type of skill set within the organization internally, the ability to put bat on ball, the ability to find players who use their legs and can be dynamic on the bases. Jordan, what were you going to say? Well, to that, because you mentioned Xavier saying, let me go, you know, free reign, do my thing. I have a feeling the Marlins are going to have you running a little bit more than the Rays did. <laughs> that's, that's my, uh, right. that's my suspicion. And I, I, I'm curious if you're excited about that part. Absolutely. And there's nothing like, you know, getting on first and, uh, you know, kind of battling out with the pitcher, even when you're not in the box and, you know, taking a bag, getting yourself in scoring position and then scoring on a single or double right after that. And, you know, just like that, you manufacture the run. And I think it's a thing that kind of is missed from baseball right now. And um, I'm, I would say I'm a pretty, a pretty old school player. You know, I have a pretty old school skill set. Uh, I know I'm not that old, but I would say my, my skill set is pretty old school. My mindset's pretty old school. So yeah, I'm looking forward to just manufacturing runs, get on. Um, also that you guys didn't touch on, but, defensively with the shift going away and you know, with the Rays, it was a bit easier. Uh, I, they did teach me a, value, a valuable thing about being versatile. So I think my ability to play some short, some, some third, I played a lot of second. So like, I think that's going to be helpful in my development and, and getting up to the big leagues. But um, with the shift going away, you know, second baseman, not being able to stand in short right field and being, being having to be on the dirt and two guys on each side, I think it's going to be really important for, you know, guys like me and athletic infielders that, have a lot of range, can move around, can throw from a lot of different arm slots. I think it's going to be really important for me. So looking forward to that. Yeah, it's, and that's a great note to end on because you know, we've talked a lot about you know the the new rules and they are designed to get more exciting players like Xavier Edwards to be playing you know to to succeed more on both sides of the ball. Like you said, more athletic in the infield defensively, and then also hopefully more stolen bases, right? For just making it harder for pitchers. Um, to hold runners on and making the bases a little bit bigger. All those things are perfectly designed to have more players like you able to succeed. And I love that. That's, yeah. that's, that's, that sounds good to me. And I'm sure it sounds good to you too. Yeah, absolutely. Nothing more I'm looking forward yeah. to than uh, playing my brand of baseball for sure. All right. Well, Xavier, we will catch you at some point in the big leagues this season. And if not this season, then, you know, I'm sure my invite to the rock nation brunch is in the mail, uh, for 2024 <laughs> and we'll see you out there. Okay. <laughs> No doubt. See you out there, man. And welcome back to the end of this episode of Baseball Barbacast. Thank you again to Xavier Edwards for joining us and telling us about brunch. Uh, Jake, I'd say that that lived up to, um, I mean, listen, we could have been asking him questions about that event for hours, but I feel like he he told a good story and painted a good picture for us. Uh, that he did, Jordan. It was quite hilarious. Uh, so thank you to him. Thank you to Stephen Kwan for joining us as well. Uh, we hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Baseball Barbacast. As I mentioned at the top, we got the WBC rosters coming out later on Thursday night. Uh, we'll definitely tackle those next week. We also have some more special guests, some more special stuff uh, rolling out next week on the podcast. So make sure you are uh, you know, rating, reviewing, uh, telling people about the pod. We really appreciate the support. You can email us at baseballbarbcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-R-B-Cast. And yes, exciting, exciting stuff. We got players reporting to spring training next week. So baseball is going to be here soon enough. But until then, thank you to Chris Tyler for producing. Thank you to Jake Mintz for co-hosting. And we will talk to you next week. Thank you.
Sirius XM Podcasts.